welcome to the Christchurch Winston-Salem podcast. To learn more about Christchurch, visit us at ChristchurchWS.org. Subscribe to our podcast at our website, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. Merry Christmas, y'all. <laughs> C.S. Lewis said that the central miracle asserted by Christians is the incarnation. Is the incarnation. They, or Christians, say that God became man. God became man. That's a radical statement. Emmanuel, we just sang it, God with us. God is with us. The incarnation, that moment in human history, in, in real history, when with a, within a virgin's womb, God put on flesh, the co-eternal, only begotten Son of the Father, hail the incarnate deity. That's what we're here to celebrate. God is with us. This is what Christmas is all about. There is a clarity of understanding, a clarity of sight that the incarnation brings. It brings about, it helps us see things more clearly. John chapter 1 and verse 18. We just heard Father David read in, in the gospel reading, no one has seen God. But just a few chapters later, just a few chapters later, Jesus says in John 14, whoever has seen me, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. The incarnation of Jesus brings the character of God, which we can see already in the, in the Holy Scriptures. It brings it into focus. Jesus' character is the Father's character. It is, it is God's character in the flesh. The life of Jesus reveals and clarifies so many things that we could not see before. It's God coming down to our level to dwell among us and communicate clearly to us because we didn't get the message. We didn't get it the first time or the second time and so on until Christ came in the flesh. And in our sermon text from Galatians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul is in the, he's in the middle of explaining a fundamental shift that has happened. A fundamental shift that was brought about by the incarnation of the Son of God. And this point is perhaps, perhaps I say, the central point of clarity that Jesus brings. The central point of clarity. Something which we are so familiar with, we have forgotten how radical it is. Okay, so I want you to pay attention with me. Before we get to that point, though, I want to give us a little bit of context, okay? So hit the pause button. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 23, which we heard Marcy read, Paul describes the default state of humanity as being held captive under the law, okay? Held captive under the law. This is a, this is a pretty strong image, under the law. In our sin and rebellion against God, all people want to relate to God transactionally, okay? Transactionally. Okay, God, I know that you are my boss. I'm a good Christian. I know that you're my boss, so I'll do my job and you pay me what is due to me. That's, that's the way we, by nature, by our fallen nature, relate to God. 
Paul describes this transactional understanding of the law as slavery, and that was never the purpose of the law, but I'm not going to get into that this morning, okay? That was never the purpose of the law. More than captivity under the law, Galatians chapter 4 and verse 21, Paul describes all people's bent, their bent and twisted desire, not just captivity under the law, but their desire to be under the law. God is not enslaving humanity. We desire, we want to be under the law. We want to relate to God transactionally. In our sin, we hate mercy. We don't want handouts. We want payment. We don't want to be indebted to anyone. This transactional mindset towards God enslaves us to an endless cycle of disappointment and dissatisfaction. When we try to make it on our own, and this is in many ways the summary of Paul's letter to the Galatians, in our own righteousness, over and over again, we find that this way of being in the world is slavery. It it not only leads to slavery, it is slavery. But like a dog that returns to his vomit left to ourselves, that is what we want. That is what we want. But the incarnation of the Son of God, now the exalted Son of Man, He came to change our slavery mindset, our transactional mindset forever. And here is this incarnational shift. Here's the point. Look with me at Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, Born of a woman, this is the incarnation, born of the flesh. He took on flesh. What was not carnal became incarnate. Born under the law, verse 5, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. So that we might receive adoption as sons. Did you hear it? Did you hear it? Our familiarity with this language makes us deaf to hear, and so I want us to listen this morning. Because of the incarnation of Jesus, you are no longer a servant, no longer a slave. You are his son. You are his daughter. By faith, you have been united to Jesus in your baptism, raised with him in his resurrection, and you have been adopted into his family. You are now the owner of everything, as it says in verse 1. You are the owner of everything. You are no longer under. You are in. You're in. This is a, this is a huge shift. You are no longer a servant. You have a seat at the table. Going to church is no longer like going to a business, going to a place to get something, transactions. You don't come to church to get right with God. You come to church to eat a family meal. You are no longer under the law. You are in the family. Let's get more specific. Verse six, and because, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Hear the language, the spirit of his son. 
the spirit of his son. God the Father has sent the spirit, the Holy Spirit of his son. Whose son? The Father's son, Jesus Christ, into you. More than an image of being adopted into the family of God, when the fullness of time came, God sent the spirit of his son into you, Christian. Into you. We are in him and he is in us. So stop for a moment, stop for a moment and forget everything that you know. Forget that you've prayed our father 10,000 times or more. One of the biggest points of clarity that the incarnation of the son of God is, is just that. He is the only son of the Father. Hear this. He is the only Son of the Father. And the language of Father and Son brings clarity not only to who God is, but to what God is doing in the world. All of us, rebellious and sinful humanity, we want to relate to God transactionally, but He's not going to let us do that. That is what religion does. But fathers don't do business with their sons. Fathers give them everything. God did not reveal himself to us as master, slave, and spirit, but as father, son, and spirit. Verse 7. So, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Here is the clarity that the incarnation of the Son brings. You can either relate to God through transactions, like a business, or you can relate to God as his child through inheritance, like a family. That's the choice before us this morning. You can either relate to God through transactions, or you can relate to God as the inheritor of everything as a son or daughter of your father as a family. So how should we respond to this fundamental shift? Since we're so familiar with it, we're so familiar with this, this is a radical shift from the Old Testament language about God, this father-son language. How can we begin to participate in this incarnational familial reality, especially when we are so familiar? Two points of application. First point of application, I'm going to have a word of conviction a word of conviction, and finally, a word of affection. So point number one, we must treat one another as family. We must treat one another as family. The incarnation of the Son brought about new language into the world. So more than assembly, ecclesia language, this gathering language, church, House or oikos or household is the most common word used of the church in the Bible. So more than simply an organized gathering or group of people, the church is very much the family of God over and over again. This language is all throughout the New Testament. By nearly all accounts, Christ church is a very welcoming and loving place. But all of us, by nature, we slip back into a transactional approach to church. Church is get in and get out. 
And even if we buy into the language of calling each other father and brother and sister or whatever your tradition wants to own there, in reality and in practice, we keep each other at arm's distance. Many of us have spouses at home. Some of us have children at home. And we become so consumed with our biological households that we forget about our single brothers and sisters in our church family. And even that phrase, you should hear the redundancy there, our church family, as if it's a, as if it's a, a second-class reality. Lord, have mercy. In our sin, we default to a transactional children's ministry and nursery approach to church. The incarnation of the only Son of the Father calls us to welcome and invite others into our homes, those who are single, those who are widowed, those who are away from their families and their homelands, and not just for dinner parties. Invite your brothers and sisters in Christ into your mess, into cranky bedtime routines, into the flu in your household right now, into your actual family. Some of us are single. Some of us are empty nesters. Some of us are widowers. And we are tempted to become so consumed with loneliness and self-pity that we forget to pray for our brothers and sisters who are trying to stay faithful in a difficult marriage. In our sin, we default to a transactional get-in-and-get-out approach to church, and so we stay in our isolation and self-pity. Let us not forget about our young parents who struggle to come to church after sleepless nights with little babies. We've got two brand new parents. in our church right now. The incarnation of the only Son of the Father calls us to invite ourselves over for dinner, to butt in, to step outside ourselves into family. All of us have been hurt by our biological families, every one of us. All of us have been hurt by people sitting a few pews away from you, And so we put up walls and we hide. Here's the reality. It is far easier. It is far easier to come to church as a transaction. It is way easier to do that. It is way harder to actually treat one another as family. To invite one another into our real messy lives. It is much easier to come to church to approach our relationships as transactions, but this is a cold and lonely path that leads to isolation and eventually to hell. Both in in the household of the church and in our homes, creating a truly Christian household, as C.S. Lewis says, a high, hard, and lovely and adventurous art. So open up your family, both in the church and at home, and enter into this hard and joyful task. We must treat one another as family. And finally, point of affection to end with. Talk to your father. 
Talk to your father. The love of Jesus, the son with his father and the radical gift of his spirit certainly convicts us of our sinful transactional disposition. But centrally, the Holy Spirit in us, the seal of our inheritance, draws us into the affectionate and eternal life of the Trinity. We are invited into by the Spirit of His Son. By the Spirit of His Son, we are invited into this family conversation and we're called to cry, Abba, Father. C.S. Lewis said, How thankful I am that when God became man, He did not choose to become a man of iron nerves. That would not have helped weaklings like you and me nearly so much. In the fullness of time, Jesus tired, sad, and alone, cried out to his father in Gethsemane with the same words, Abba, Father. And that's, that's how he invites us into this conversation in the midst of our pain and lowliness and, and sadness and exhaustion and our sin. John Calvin exhorts us to dare to call God our Father. He writes, The Spirit is the earnest and pledge of our adoption so that we are convicted of God's fatherly attitude toward us. His fatherly attitude toward us. Why don't we pray? We don't pray because we, in our rebellious, sinful nature, we try to relate to God transactionally as one who is held captive under the law. We don't believe that God is our Father. We want to be under the law, and so we crumble in fear and anxiety underneath the crushing weight of God as judge, and we forget that Jesus was crushed for our iniquities. So come with faith and humility to God our Father in prayer this morning. Child of God, crawl up into the lap of your daddy and speak. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Christ Church, visit us at ChristChurchWS.org. Subscribe to our podcast at our website, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 